I don't know where you are in life right now or where it is you want to go. But if you are a curious soul like me, I know this about you. You are searching for greatness in life. You desire financial freedom. And you ask yourself daily how you can master success in business without wasting years of your life. On this show, we are going to interview all the leading experts and influencers in the fields of marketing, mindset, and sales to expose all the tips and tricks you need to accelerate your business and amplify your success. My name is Reem Kharbat, and this is the Entrepreneur Accelerator. Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneur Accelerator, your go-to podcast for all the strategies, tips and tricks to help you accelerate your business and amplify your success. This is your host, Reem Kharbat. And first, I would like to ask you this. Did you know that two-thirds of the companies underperform due to miscommunications, personal conflicts, and misunderstandings? Well, miscommunications cost 4200 to $10,000 per employee per year. Wow. So, and that's why in today's episode, we're going to be talking more about um, how great performers and teams use their mind, connect with others, behave, um, and courageously lead to build high-performing cultures and game-changing employee experience. I'm super thrilled today to have our guest, Jason True, who's a chief people officer, leadership, and teamwork expert. He spent 15 years in leadership positions working with industry changers, such as Steve Jobs, Reed Hastings, the um, Netflix CEO, and Mark Hurd of HP, Mark Cuban, and others. He's the best-selling author of Social Wealth that sold more than 60,000 copies. More than 30,000 leaders, managers, and employees are using his culture and team-building game cards against mundanity to skyrocket trust, communication, and teamwork. It's being used at Amazon, Southwest Airline, Ernest Young, Gillette, and many others. Jason, thank you so much for being here in the Entrepreneur Accelerator podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Well, it's great to be with you during all of this craziness and crisis of our lifetime and, and speaking to your fantastic tribe. Thank you so much. Um, before we begin, how are you coping with the whole pandemic thing? How are you doing? Are you bored, scared? <laughs> How's you everything? Know, I think it goes all over the board. I mean, I think depending on the time of day, I think we tend to do all those things. But, you know, I tend to try to focus on the things that I can do and to focus on projects and ideas that can keep me focused on the future and just to kind of read and react to what I'm able to do rather than get caught up into the scarcity mindset or negativity or just getting on Facebook and looking at all the posts of mm. people living in fear because, you know, that can also do a lot of stuff. So then, you know, even with my household, with everyone here, with my wife and our two kids and stuff, we are doing positive things and spending more time together working and doing yard work, planting flowers. I mean, doing stuff on the weekends and things so we're not sitting in front of the TV just yeah. binge watching, right? So 
there's a lot of things that you can do that are positive that can make an impact um, with yourself, both in a business and personal life. And I think that if you can start doing those things, you can manage your mindset, right? And not get caught up into that trap where you're in fear, you're scared, you're angry, all these other emotions that can easily spiral out of control and lead you to be the person that you really aren't and not show up as the best version of yourself as much as you can during a crisis. Uh, absolutely. Um, I was just looking at your resume and it was amazing. Actually, it's really, really interesting. Like you worked with really, uh, as you said, it's like um, industry changers and it's really great to be part of uh, or to see how they're building their, um, let's say, the teamwork and the culture there. Uh, before we start, can you just tell us a little bit more about you? How, what was like your position with, um, with those teams and those uh, game changers in the world? Like, what was your position there? What were you doing? So, you know, fortunately, I went up to Silicon Valley, right, at the, at the right time back in the late 90s. And so I was able to be around, you know, great people. And I was working in a marketing agency to start things off. So it allowed me also to be in all of these great organizations. And marketing agency was really, was really, really good. So that also allowed us to pitch great clients and work with people at Apple and Pixar and just a lot of mm. great, you know, companies that anyone would know anywhere. Right. And that allowed me opportunities to work with these people in some capacity or another, right? Like the Netflix CEO, I did some work with the CEO of our company with the person for like, you know, who's right now the CEO currently of the company for like six months, once a week, I got to spend like two to three hours with them in a room talking about how they were building, you know, the company. So as you get all these experiences right at the time, you can't really, you, you don't know. I didn't, Netflix back then was some little rinky dink company, right? It wasn't anywhere yeah. near where it is now, right? You didn't take it seriously. They, they were going to True. produce movies and TV shows and do the things that they're now. It was this list add-on service. It was a fringe thing, like they get some weird movies or, you know, maybe some international or other things that were going on. But you know, as you look back collectively at all those experiences, you really got to see great leaders, great managers, and great cultures. And then the opposite of all those things too, which is the majority of them, and then teamwork across the board too, and communications and all those things that require us to do our best work and to get the best out of the people around us. And that even goes internationally too, right? It works yeah. with a lot of people. And so a lot of that's the, you know, challenges for a lot of the people that I worked with then were they had poor relationships globally with people, mm. right? And then that hurt their ability to perform and execute, right? And taking a look at the things they had to do. So it was, a, you know, a great time. And, you know, I still worked in Silicon Valley for a long, I mean, you know, until probably I started doing my own thing in 2014 and 13, but um, you know, I still had a lot of contact. I still go out there all the time. Awesome. Do you think that there is something in common between those successful companies that is related to having a positive culture or a, a team of high performance, like uh, high performers? Uh, was there like, um, is that the common thing between uh, them, let's say, for having that success that they have? 
I think it's because more of them have made it a strategic priority in their business and they did it from early on or they adjusted to make it something that was really important from a top level down. Meaning the people that were running an organization, the CEO, the executive team, and not just mouth the words, but put it into everything that they're doing. And I think that's how the, they were able to execute for longer periods of times in the companies that really were able to do that and build it mm. into the things they were doing, right? Now, you know, some people get fortunate and things happen, right? They have a game-changing idea where people work in a company and things go well, but then what happens is we don't see that. It's an ebb and flow, right? They do well yeah. and then you'll see the company kind of not do as well. So I think that, that one of the things that I find today is that you have to have it be a strategic priority. Like it has to be on the map as something that you talk about and build into the DNA of the company on purpose, consciously all the time and not just mouth the words. And I still think in the U.S., we're in the very, and I think even globally, very early stages of figuring these things out, right? Someone told me it's like, we're in the, like, in, when it comes to technology, most organizations in many ways that are much more mature in how to handle it or deal with it, they realize they have to do integrations or all the things that are required. But when it comes to managing people and talent and really building teams and culture, we're like in the real infancy stage of this yeah. you know, process so far across the board. Even though we've been talking about it a while, you don't see the emphasis on it. And I think you've seen it in the last couple of years. Because the unemployment rate globally has been so low in comparison to where it had been. So it forced people because the cost of hiring new people was so high that once they're you're losing all these people, it starts to affect right, your balance sheet. And so therefore, people have mm -hmm. had to adjust more for cost reasons than anything else and have to learn it. But we're still super far behind. When I talk about teamwork to people like they rarely do I find it is a strategic priority. Like they'll mention the words, this is strategic priority and this is actually how I'm doing teamwork and building it into the things I'm doing. That's a very rare conversation I'll still have with people if it even does come up. Mm. So do you think that even you said that, that uh, those companies, they're starting or having a, like a strategy of starting on focusing on this from early stages. What about, let's say, small business owners who ha they have just uh, um, small numbers, a uh, small number of employees and they're focusing totally just on their business and they don't have this mindset of taking care of the employees. And especially now what we see with the pandemic, a lot of people got laid off. Uh, the rate of unemployment is just increasing so high. I think in the U.S., just over 3.4 million people, they um, were un unemployed in just it's the It's now 26. Weeks. It's now up to 26. Oh, million. my God. Oh, okay. So, we have 300 million people in the country to give you an idea of what that number starts to look like. And it's going up every week. So it's a it's drastic increase across the board. Yeah, and, and it's really sad. But uh, again, I know that um, taking care of your team, uh, for me, for example, it's like the number one priority. That's why when some people say that maybe we should not be selling during this period because, you know, uh, we don't want to take, it, take advantage of 
other people, you know, who did not get salaries and we, we cannot just sell. But at the same time, what I say is that we have to keep selling because we have teams that we need to pay for and to keep their jobs. Um, and it's like, it's my responsibility to be, you know, to take care of those families. So um, what do you think is um, a sign or let's say, uh, what defines a great leader? And especially during challenging times like this. Well, I think when you talk, even it's a sidestep and taking a talk about selling, right? I think the same thing you'd sell before is why you'd sell now. You're adding value. You're helping people, right? You're giving them an ROI. I mean, all the things that you would be doing before, you'd still be doing now. So it's still completely relevant because those people who you're going after and selling to need your help even more now than ever because they essentially in many ways have to reinvent themselves, right? So some of the things I'm having to do instead of doing like leadership training or teamwork in person, I'm having to do it remotely with people. And I've done that before, but I have to get them comfortable with the idea of doing all that in the midst of the crisis when all they're trying to do is keep, you know, keep the lights on, right? And to think bigger of it. So I think a lot of times when people are thinking about that now, they need you to strategically help them think and get out of this small mindset and scarcity about just doing the bare minimum because the bare minimum is not going to help them increase their business or pay for the things that they have to pay for like people. So, um, you know, when I talk about leaders, I think part of leadership is you share a vision with people that people buy into it. I think you show vulnerability with individuals by showing I don't have all the answers. I want to enroll mm. you in helping me do part of it. I think the other huge piece of every relationship is building trust. And trust is not just saying something and delivering on it. Building trust is getting to know people on a deep personal level and understanding the things that make them work, the experiences they've had in their life, and so they can better understand and communicate with them, right? Mm -hmm. And work through issues and challenges. I think it's also the challenge of taking risks with people and being able to not be right all the time, right? That's mm -hmm. a huge piece of it because, you know, risk and success are opposite sides of a coin. You're not always going to be successful. And I think the other part of it is, You've got to empower people to be decision makers and to mm -hmm. run with things and manage it, not micromanage it. Because ultimately, you're one person. If you have a team of three people, four, five, six, or seven, you can get all of those people working together, caring about each other, and delivering things at a high level you're going to be able to outflank and out-operate people that are 10, 100 times bigger than you are because they've seen it before in a lot of instances. So I think what you have to, leaders focus on is if I don't get the best out of every person around me and figure out how to do that, I lose and so will everyone else. And I think if you think like that, you build system processes, cultures and things mm -hmm. much differently than you do the opposite way if that's not how you see it. If you just see people as your arms and legs, well, then you don't really care as much about them. But then that shows up in your execution and your ability to build an extraordinary business, which end of the day, that's money, right? I mean, and it's money for everyone that's around it. It's not just altruistic, right? Not just, oh, we want to have a lot of fun or want to really like the people that we're around. 
Well, that would be nice, but you also have to make money. And the more you get people to operate and care about each other and to work hard, you're going to be more successful because they're more committed to your success and the business success and the client success and everyone else's. So if I want to start building a great team, I want to, you know, from the beginning, if I want to help, let's say, entrepreneurs who are building their teams now, what are the elements that we, that I have to focus on um, to make sure that I'm having everything in place and I'm, I will be having a, a great team who's going to help me and push me to achieve my goal and not pull me back? Yeah, I think the fundamentally the first place you have to start is building trust with people and really high levels of trust, right? So I saw it, I read some research um, last May that they published at Harvard Business Review. And if, you know, you had a team, right, and you asked them on a scale of one to 10, how do you, or one to five, meaning I actively trust, meaning a five, or actively distrust at a one, um, either my manager or my teammates, what they ended up finding out is if everyone ranked it so the average was close to a five or at a 4.5 or higher, there was eight times higher engagement which led to really high performance for the team or organization or business, whatever it was. But if we had it go to a four or less, what you saw was if you gave it a four, which means I trust people, which doesn't seem bad, your engagement level would be the one of actively distrusting someone. So the business wouldn't do near as well. So like anyone building a house, you have to build it on a strong foundation. And I say the first place to do it is by building trust because most people overlook that. They just assume, oh, well, people trust each other. They trust each other well enough. Well, that's not how the world works. You have to actively build trust with people and get to know them. Otherwise, you're relying on them figuring these things out. And human beings don't do that mm. without help and without other people doing it because everyone, some people are open, some people are more closed off, some people are more willing to engage in conversations and do things with people. Other people aren't. So the first place is really understanding how you build trust with people and when you think about the trust and all the factors, the number one factor is caring. Because mm -hmm. the thing about it is you think about your personal life. You may, have, you may have friends that don't show up on time, right? You may, you may have friends or people, your family. Sometimes, you know, they tell the truth almost all the time, but sometimes they not. Maybe you have some people that may not be the smartest people, but if they really care about you, those are the people that are closest in your life and what you look at. But if you have someone who shows up all the time, on time, but doesn't care about you, they're not going to be your yeah. friend. They may be someone you transact with. They may be some sort of associate. Maybe some people you deal with, but not deeply care about. So I always say, when you think about your personal life, you have to take that feeling of the people that are closest around you, and also the feeling you've had of the best team you've ever been on, whether that's in school whether that's in some personal endeavor you've been doing or whether the business and saying, how can I replicate that feeling of that and in my personal life and take it into the business I have with the people around me? Because that's how you'll bring the most out of people. And when I, when I started to take a look at this, I, I started to read a lot of research. And the one piece of research that really jumped out of me was this professor, his name's Arthur Aaron, back in 1997. He's trying to build interpersonal closeness between people. 
and he picked 54 grad students and had them pair off and ask, you know, 36 questions over 45 minutes that were pretty vulnerable questions that have forced them to open up and have real conversations. And at the end of those 45 minutes, you know, 30% of the people said they, they created the closest relationship in their lives. And this is with a complete stranger. They didn't even know mm -hmm. anything about the person, not even their name before they sat down. So if you take a look at that, if you can do that in 45 minutes, the key is how can I get people to open up and share their life experiences, their business experiences, their preferences with me so I don't have to guess? Because the, the problem we have is that if I have to try to predict and analyze what you're doing or you're doing it to me, I go through my lens and my worldview of how I see it. But that's yeah. not how the other person does it unless we think the same. And that's why a lot of times when you run across someone that's a lot like you, it's really easy to get along with them because you do more of the same things like them, you think the same, but 90 to 95% of the world doesn't operate like that. So mm -hmm. you'll have challenges. So the key is, is how do we figure this out and conduct exercises through asking overt questions to people around us to get to know them so we can work better and quicker with them and have less trauma and issues because then everyone's happier, everyone's more seamless, and then you can work so much faster and better together as a group. And all the performance goes to that too. And then those other people will be much more committed to you. They'll want to suggest things. They will object to other things which will be helpful because now you're yeah. getting diversity of thinking coming back to you as well, where they might stay quiet or they might not voice things near as loud in a group, which can help everyone gain and benefit from it, whether whatever small business size you are, no matter where you are in person mm -hmm. or remote. Right. But most people don't think of those building blocks. They're thinking much farther on. Like we have to have values and all the rest of those things and put them in the culture those are things that you have to do, but if you miss the, you know, a baby has to crawl before they can walk and run. Yeah. Well, if you don't, if the baby doesn't start crawling, you're not going to get to the walking or running. You may think that's the case, but that's the problem. You know, when I'm working with people is they don't take the first fundamental step. And then when I run through things by having people ask questions, none of the people who even worked with each other for 5, 10, 15, or 20 years, or even longer I did it in the group, really know that much about the people that are around them. Mm, true. So do you think this is also why some, let's say some leaders, some business owners, they do not delegate as much responsibilities to their subordinates? Let's say, um, I've seen it. Uh, I've worked with, for almost 15 years um, with big corporates and Many, uh, let's say, managers, they were holding some, let's say, knowledge. They're keeping knowledge to them, thinking that this way they're, you know, taking care of their position. They're not delegating as much responsibilities to their teams because they're worried about their position and they don't want, you know, this, I don't know. Control. It's yeah, they want to control. Here. Exactly. And I felt right. that this was one of the, the issues that would create exactly the opposite of what you were saying it, it creates some sort of like tension and negativity and mistrust yes so. because end of the day when you're managing other people your whole goal should be to make your job obsolete 
right? Because if, 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 if you have a team of three or four people and it gets so good that you literally don't have to do anything that you're currently doing, that should be your dream. Because yes. now your team is going to be blowing the results out of the roof. Your work now is going to be 90% strategic. It's going to be doing the things that you should be doing that you're actually probably great at almost all the time, which is then going to uplift them even more. And everyone around you is going to be significantly lower on what they're doing because you're soaring past them. And the people around you every day will be coming into work or coming into work remotely excited about what they're doing because they have the opportunity to grow and learn and evolve and feel like they have a purpose every day going, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this is, a lot of these things work in tandem, right? You can find a purpose working at a nail factory. It doesn't have to be that you're saving the lives of people, right? Mm -hmm. But how you feel purpose is feeling connected to the work and connected to the outcomes of that work for other people. Well, that's your job as a manager and leader to make these things to come together. But if you're worried about control and fear, you're not thinking about those things at all because you're more worried about keeping the structure and the power and money yourself yeah. instead of doing the things that helped you be successful in the first place. And no one got to whatever job they had all by themselves, right? I mean, today, no one works on a mountain by themselves without any interactions or help from other people. So you, people are just doing the opposite of what happened to them and thinking it's going to help them, but it's a false sense of control because we're never in control of anything. Look at this pandemic, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that thought they were and all of a sudden they got hit with this and they're not. So we're one step away. So the key is, is empowering and bringing the best out of people and figuring out how can I do that at every possible step and the first step is building trust and communicating, managing other people and understanding them and getting feedback from them, right, on how I as a leader and a manager can do a better job. How can I work with you, communicate with you better, right? Like, where are the things you see that we could be doing better? Well, mm. when you start asking that approach, your goal is to have everyone do better and everyone win together. And it's not about who's wrong or who's right or what risk or what failure. It's that we were all together and we are responsible and, and more importantly, accountable to each other in everything we do. Well, once you breed that mentality in the, in, in without your team, whether it's small or whether it's big, then that's when it becomes game changing. But the problem is, is so many people live in this small world where they think if I, if if I don't win, then I'll lose mm. when that doesn't work. Right. If, if the team is successful, I'll be successful. And if you think more like that, then all of this stuff starts to become easier to do. And you're more open. You don't have to have the solution. You're more open to saying, okay, wow, look at my team, the teamwork here. We could be doing better. Let me go find someone or let me start reading and looking into that. But if you don't care about teamwork, you're not going to go pick up a book. You're not going to find a coach. You're not going to find a class because you don't think it matters or you just don't care about it enough because you're like, well, those people will figure it out, right? I'm a manager and leader and they should just do what I'm saying and, and, and read my mind. Well, yes. like we all know 
that doesn't work whether you're in person, whether you're remote, whether you're working with people internationally, whether it's different cultures or the same one. I mean, we're all people, right? And we all have needs. And so it doesn't matter where you're based. Right? I worked in companies a lot. And I, you know, one of the smartest things I did having to work with international teams is I tried to visit them as soon as I could. And I started to take meetings in the middle of the night when they would have the middle of the day to show them that like, I didn't care if I, I don't want to, you know, have to make them wake up early for me. Just because I'm in the U.S. doesn't mean I'm any more or less important than yeah. they are, right? I'd ask them questions. Well, how do you best work together? When you, you know, tell me a story about when the team there executed on a project. Well, it's way different in Europe as it is in the Middle East, as it is in Asia, yeah. and you start to learn. And now you can adapt. And those people are like, wow, it's like the first time anyone's really asked me that question. And then what happens? They work harder. They communicate better right? All these things start happening, but it comes from being inquisitive. It comes from caring and it comes from you starting to show through your actions with other people, whether it's as a leader or a peer, it doesn't really matter. But if you don't do these types of things, what happens is you create more problems and issues for yourself than anyone wants to deal with. And it takes a little bit of time on the front end, but it saves you, you know, 10, hundred X on the other side and it's a lot more fun and enjoyable and the relationships you build are much better, right? Whether you're working on a grocery store or on an internet marketing agency, a lot of these things are exactly the same. Mm. So Jason, how do you, if you want to help a company, for example, or, or a team, uh, do you start, you start from the management first? Or do you work with them as a, as a group? Like, how do you start helping companies improving their culture, their communication? Uh, do you start, f for example, from the bottom up? Or how, how is it that you provide? Well, it depends. It, 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 I'll be honest with you. It depends on who starts and willing to engage. Because mm. I think the ch it, you, it almost always works better when it's a top-down effort. Mm -hmm. Because once you get the people at the top, then you enroll them. It's easier for them to get the rest of the organization going because it's lead by example. And usually at that point, part of the work that I'd be doing with people is doing some self-awareness level of seeing what's going on with them. To show them that their perceptions of what other people are thinking or feeling about them aren't exactly right. And yeah. they need to be more inquisitive, open, and get feedback and take it. And their blind spots are actually hurting them, right? So if I'm doing mm -hmm. some holistic program, I do more to that. But a lot of times I'm engaged at a manager level, director level, or someone who owns a small business. And it, it depends on what goes on. But end of the day, you have to get people starting to talk with each other and learning about their experiences and realizing that people are very similar um, either in the emotions that they've experienced in their life through different things, or they've actually had many similar experiences across the board, and they're more alike than dissimilar. Because then you get people more willing to buy in and work with each other as you start to do that. And if you teach them to ask more questions about each other and ask the things that they need or want, right, or how they're doing, and mm -hmm. to have it do it proactively so you as a manager leader don't have to be the person that's always bringing people together and solving their problems. They can solve yes. it on their own by having better relationships 
but you have to give them the tools and do it in an environment where they start to see, ah, well, if I ask someone questions about what's the most important lesson you've learned in the last year, and they're like, some, whatever they say, if the other person like, wow, that's pretty interesting, I never thought about that, or you might think that's kind of similar to what I'm thinking, or maybe you ask them a question and have everyone go around and say, if you had one person to thank you for helping you become the person you are today, who would that person be and what did they do? Well, you know, you might see someone, people having very similar experiences on their team about it, whether it's their mom, their dad, a best friend, or in the emotions that it brings about. Well, then the person that you may not have seen as someone who's just like you, you may say, wow, that person's a lot more alike to me than I thought before, or I really mm. missed a lot about that person. And I think it creates teamworks about in the beginning, opening up people to the possibility that they could be doing better work with each other and then to start giving them tools to start asking better questions and to start caring more about them. How, as a business owner, how do I know that I need help in this uh, area? Because Every, most of, does. how do I know? Most of the people, they think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm focusing on my business. I'm focusing on sales. I'm focusing on marketing. I have a team. I don't have to think, I don't want to think about that, about them. How do I know that I need help? How can we tell people that, Hey, wake up. You need to go to an expert like you, for example, to help you create this culture. How would people know that people like you exist, exist for, for example, for them to seek help you know, because most of, as I said, most of the people, they will go to a business coach to, you know, a marketer or, you know, turn on a agency for marketing, but they don't know that they have a deep, a deeper problem, which is the base of everything, which is starting building their culture and the, the, the community inside their uh, business. How can they know and trigger that they have a problem in there? Well, I think one of the questions you can ask yourself is how well are people communicating on my team and asking questions and solving problems without me? How are they talking mm. across the organization? How are they managing, right? If you're running a group and they have a marketing agency or several of them, are they bringing those agencies together and communicating with all of them and running like a smooth ship? What are my results looking at, right? Are, are my results better than I I expected or the same as I expected if they're not better than I expected and we're not doing super well right how are people getting along on my team right like are they getting along together well are there's a lot of conflict is there drama is there issues are there problems right all of that starts to take away at the business and then all you need to do is open Harvard Business Review and take a look at articles and the research and data and you realize that you could double triple 5x 10x your revenue if you have better teamwork and all the yeah. data and research is there. It's an incredible amount across the board. And end of the day, if you want to retain these people over time, you have to have another reason than just paying them money because someone's going to pay them more money than you're going to pay them. So how are you going to keep them if they don't care about each other and the business that they're at, right? They're going to leave or they're not going to be performing at their best level because you wouldn't either. And then I also point out there's research by Amy Edmondson who did this famous project at, at Google called Project Aristotle. And she looked at all the high-performing teams that Google had in the world, right? This is back in 2012 and 2014. That means Asia, Europe, every Middle East, every place. And they looked at all the teams. And what they found out was the number one factor for every single one 
was psychological safety. Oh. It wasn't that they, they weren't that they weren't all A players. They weren't that they all went to the best schools. They weren't that they were anything or any background. It didn't matter. It's psychological safety is interpersonal risk taking. And can I openly share with you? Can I disagree? Can I object? Can we take risks together and fail together and then get back up and do the next project, right? How well is that team able to communicate and work together under stress and risk and challenges? And how are they, do they have a voice or not? And does every person feel like that? Mm. And that's what they found. And that's what, mm. and she's done tons of research on that. So that's not made up. There's book written about it. There's tons of it out there. It's one of the most famous research studies and look at it and all the rest of the factors don't matter. So, and there's all tons of research out there. They've shown stuff on, um, they had doctors and they did it in cities across the globe that they got to pick, they got all-star doctor teams and nurses, the best. And then they had doctors who picked their people that weren't all-stars, that were the people they trusted the most. In every case, they performed better, they had less issues, they had higher patient care, right? They had higher patient satisfaction across the board and they did it with airline pilots and you know, crews and everything else. So there's, there's a huge amount of data, it's just we're not looking for it. And, it and it's actually in plain view, we're not reading it and doing it. And that becomes the problem because most of the leaders and managers that I'm working with, the problem is their team. It isn't, mm. you know, and, and it's partly them, but that piece of them can be fixed a lot quicker because that's just self-awareness work. That's some other mm. internal things. But the team can't be. But that's the problem. They're not getting the most of the people around them, whether it's a small business owner or it's a medium, a large, or you're a manager working in a large company, right? Because you're still affected even if the company's not helping you. You have to perform better across the board. Or if you're in an agency and you're managing clients or managing teams, like I have PR and marketing agencies I work for, and the, you know, the, it's, it's not just the people, it's the clients, it's the partners. Mm -hmm. How do I get the most out of those people too? So you all have to think about every person you're interacting with and your team's interacting with and thinking, how can I bring the best out of them? How can I learn about them? How can I create the best relationships because all of that stuff comes back to the bottom line and running an effective business. But in the team um, I look at is both internal and external. It's really any set of people that we have to deal with that are critical for our business. Um, I was just checking the idea of game cards, your game cards that are used by Amazon, Southwest Airline, Ernest Young, this is awesome. What is the concept of those game cards and how well, the come they're like, yeah, the concept is, companies is that, are using it? Yeah, the concept is really if you get people together, right, it, you get them physically together or get them on remote, on video, or you could even do it on audio or something like Zoom, and you get and you ask people questions and everyone answers the same question. What ends up happening is you start to skyrocket trust. Because what, if a card has a question and you read it, right? Like if a card says, tell me about the biggest challenge you've had in the last five years and how you overcome it, and it could be personal or business, and you share that with people, that's a huge share. And that's being really vulnerable. And what happens is, is then other people are vulnerable with you and you learn information that you may never have learned about or it may take 
five, 10 years of feeling comfortable to share that. Well, when everyone in the group finds that, you have a group level bonding, right? You have a bonding with individuals that you may not have had before. And then what happens is, is that spreads to other people that you're working and dealing with, right? And that's a game changer in itself. And then when you understand how this is done, you realize how easy it is to do in your own life, right? Meaning like in your own business with the people that you're working with and you can start doing it with people you run into either as an individual, right? One person or with multiple people that you have to deal with inside of your organization or whatever it might be. And so that's the concept's pretty simple, right? They're just questions and you know, they're vulnerable ones, but there's fun ones too. If there's like, you know, if there were an actor, actress to play the story of your life, who would it be and why, right? So it's not all just, you know, deep questions, but it, you get to know people because part in life is, is that it's when we think about the things that we love to do. So think about yourself, like the best experiences you've had. It's also not only having that experience, but talking about it later and reliving it and sharing it with those around you that actually, that's how you relive it and carry it forward mm. is our conversations that we have more so even than the actions that occurred. So that's the way to fast track it is through being vulnerable and having it. And the cards just do it because then someone reads it and they don't have to think in their head, how do I ask this question? How do I bring it up? Because you just read it and answer it, right? Yeah. And then everyone just does it in a group. And it doesn't matter whether it's, I've done it in, you know, probably 15,000 people now speaking. You know, I've done it with existing teams all over. It doesn't really matter what environment it's in. It's all the same, right? Some people are a little resistant in the beginning. But by the end, almost every single person is bought in because they see the results that have occurred and how people are talking about yeah. stuff. And the one thing about doing a group that's a lot safer is once you do it in a group and you ever betray the trust by like sharing the information because people bring that up all the time. I'm like, well, if you do that and other people know about it, they're going to police you and they're going to say something because you're betraying group trust, not just an individual's trust, which is far different. And so people just don't do it. Like, I've, I mean, I'm sure it happens somewhere but I don't hear about it. And I follow up with a lot of people and clients and people doing it. And I know people have shared some pretty intimate details and really personal things in groups and things that I've been in with other people that someone hasn't popped up. So it's a simple process um, to do it, but it's an important one. And if you have it, the most senior person or the leader or manager needs to go first because then they show that it's safe for other people to play. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. people, what happens is they'll wait until that person goes to figure out what level of information can I share yeah. with yeah. other people, right? Yeah. But you can, you know, do it with anyone. Any, obviously, you can do it one-on-one. -on -one. You don't have to do it in a group. I mean, I've done both. It's just with one-on-one, -on -one, it may not work as well if the other person isn't as open. So sometimes mm -hmm. in that scenario, you know, it'll work. Sometimes it won't, but almost I've never seen it not work in a group of people that are willing it, it, in any way to try doing it. And I would say that's the first step because then you get people to be more open and then you can do other stuff. Like I'll people do how to work with me manuals. They're simple manuals that they create on like, you know, to share with them, like, what are your pet peeves? If you have to give me hard feedback, 
how do you want other people to give it to you? If you're having a bad day, what's a way that I can get you in a better mood? Well, mm. there's a set of, you know, set of 10 or 12 questions and you can vary them or, you know, create them yourself. That once you have that as a team, it's easier to onboard people. It's easier to understand how to work with other people. And then if you have a problem with someone and they've written down an answer, what I found is people are much more apt to bring it up with the other person. Well, you told me if I did this, that it would work. Well, what's the deal? Well, then the other person has to clarify and maybe they actually got it wrong. Well, then conversations start to occur, right? And that's yeah. problem solving amongst people rather than a leader or manager having to do things directly and indirectly for it all to come together, right? And there's a lot of other stuff you can start doing. But once you start doing these little things, they create major ripple effects and performance and teamwork and communication, satisfaction, all the metrics mm. you use in a business because everyone starts stepping up and they're more apt to have conversations and not get as mad and to call someone on the phone and to work together. But you have to start somewhere and you have to help people figure it out and break down their own walls in a way that's not always direct. This works directly, but also indirectly. And it gets people just to open up sometimes for the first time for many people who've never shared at this level before. Yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, honestly, thank you so much because a lot of uh, valuable information. You reminded me of the um, a lot of we had a lot of team building uh, uh, events where literally sometimes we needed that to get to know more each other and as you said to build trust and even have the connection with the team with the management as well. Um, so. I love the idea. I love the idea of the game card because it's easy and it's fun at the same time. So, um, Jason, if people would want to know more about you and about your services and what you do, uh, where can they find you? Sure. They can go to my website. It's jasontreu.com. That's jasontreu.com. You can find my book, Social Wealth, on Amazon, and then you can find Cards Against Mundanity at cardsagainstmundanity.com. And there's a free version and a paid version and instructions. And so you can do it and use it in a hundred different ways. And plus you can use it your personal life too. If people do Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you here. I'm so happy to have you in the Entrepreneur Accelerator podcast. Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, would you please take a minute to rate and review my show? That would mean the world to me. And let me know if you have any questions in mind or something that you're struggling with so I can cover in future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out. Let's accelerate your success together. And remember, success is not an accident. Success is a choice. See you next time.